welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following message is from our lead pastor, Jared Brooks. Stand to your feet this morning. Let's go read in the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, we're going to read together this morning. Some of this will sound familiar as we've started sharing this a little bit with you, but this is where we're going this next year, okay? I know it's tough to see, but there's a, there's a banner behind me. We're going to get some lights on it for this next week, but there's a, a train. That's not a moon, so it looks like a moon back there. There's a train uh, in this banner, and the banner says unhindered, okay? Unhindered. Everybody say unhindered. 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 Acts chapter 28, verse 16. When we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. I think that's funny, the way Luke wrote that. When we entered into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who was guarding him, right? (laughs) And he stayed, he's talking about Paul, Two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him. Okay, He wasn't able to go anywhere, but he welcomed everyone who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, or the, the English Standard Version says, with boldness unhindered. Okay, So he was preaching, verse 31, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. Some, somebody turn to your neighbor and say unhindered. unhindered. Come on, unhindered. Unhindered. Paul was teaching and preaching Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God unhindered. Father, we ask right now that your will be done in this church, in this house, that you'll use us as, as vessels in full-time ministry preaching the gospel, God, that we'll be preaching the kingdom of God unhindered, Father. So pray this word just, just resonate in our spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated this morning. If you're reading in the New King James Version, it says that Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Okay? No one forbidding him. Now, that's not a a great interpretation or translation of what that that scripture is actually talking about. If you look at it in the book of Acts, that last word in in Acts chapter 28 is akaludos. Okay, everybody say akaludos. Okay, now this word actually means no one or nothing able to prevent, unhindered. Okay, so the very last word in the book of Acts, it's saying unhindered. So Paul, you got to remember, Paul just came off of a shipwreck. Paul's now in prison in his own house, okay? He's in his own house. That would be awful. Have, have, have any of you, your, your wives or your spouse ever gone out of town and you didn't really have anything to do for like three or four days, so you just kind of stayed home? Like, I remember when I, I first got married, I thought that would be awesome because I'm like, dude, I play Xbox all the time. It's going to be great. I stay up all night if I want to. And then like after day one or day two, it gets really boring. You're like, there's nothing to do. Come home. Come home. At, Paul is, is, is chained up. He's bound in his own house for two years. 
He's, he's on trial from the Emperor Nero, okay? He's about to probably be beheaded. And his whole life is falling apart. And he's right here. And the last thing that he says that Luke tells about him in the book of Acts is that Paul was there. He was chained up. And he was allowing, welcoming people to come into his house. And he was preaching the kingdom of God. And he was unhindered. He's chained up, unhindered. He's locked up in his house, unhindered. He's on trial, and he's unhindered. Doesn't that just kind of seem odd to you? That, that Paul sees himself as unhindered? The book of Acts, as it ends, that's the last word in the book of Acts. And as it ends with that, that Paul is unhindered. He's preaching the kingdom of God. Righteousness, righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. He's teaching the kingdom of God unhindered. And then it kind of leaves it open. As if the book of Acts is supposed to continue. And I believe that it is. Amen. We, uh, just a few months ago, there was a natural disaster in Haiti. And we were able to, as a church, everything that comes in, when you, when you give your tithe, your offerings into the church, everything that comes in, immediately 10% is put to the side and sent back out in missions, okay? So that's what we do. So we tithe. Everything that we ask you to do as a church, as a believer, we do. And so uh, that happened in Haiti. So we sent a $5,000 check. We took our missions and we sent a $5,000 check to Haiti, and we helped this mission organization rebuild a road that was that was destroyed between uh, their village and the school and all that stuff. They, they was unable to, to get from one to the other, and actually in, even into the market. And so the mission that we sent that money to is called Acts 29. I've always thought that's the best name in the world, okay? This church, we could be called Acts 29, because we are to continue what Paul started. Paul is passing the torch to us. And Luke is writing this. And Luke is saying, man, Paul's life has fallen apart. He's in chains. He's in shackles. He's bound up in his house. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong. Yet, he's welcoming people in. And he's preaching the kingdom of God. And nothing is stopping him. He is unhindered. Paul paid for his own imprisonment for two years. He was waiting on trial, knowing he was about to be headed. And he's saying that every day I invited people into my house and I preached Jesus Christ. Nothing could stop me. It got me thinking, what about us as the exchange? How many things do we, do we how many days do we live hindered? We know we have trials, we know we have tribulations, but every day we face things. And, and for us as the exchange, I don't think we really live Full lives like Paul lived. Paul was unhindered. I see problems. I see storms. Just like Paul did. But for some reason they seem to hinder us. You know what I'm talking about this morning? Amen? I do, Pastor. You know, we've been praying about this year. And the, the direction for our church. The exchange. And we, what we hear God speaking over us for this year as a group of believers is that word, akalutos, that we are going to, in the face of hindrances, we're going to live unhindered. How many of you guys would say, if you look at 2016, 
you did have hindrances. You did have things that were, come on, raise your hand right now. It's things that you're like, man, I don't, I don't know what it was, but there was just things I can look in my life that were stumbling stones, were, were things that hindered me. And, and the, the point of the message that we're talking about today and the banner for our church this year and what God is speaking over us as a group of people is we are going to continue to have hindrances like Paul did. We're going to continue to face these things head on. I mean, I wish as a pastor this morning, I had some type of awesome pixie dust. You know, I always have a, a dirty napkin in my pocket, you know, and I wish I had some mocos I could just put on you, the magic mocos, and you would just be able to not have any problems for the rest of this year. Actually, I don't, because you would never learn anything. You would never grow up and just be a spoiled brat. What happens is, is we face these things, and God knows that life is going to happen to all of us, what we need to do is be able to live life like Paul did, facing all of these things that are hindrances. Everybody say hindrances. Facing those things, yet somebody be able to look at our lives like the author Luke did and went, I don't know how it happened, but as Pastor Cody was facing all those things, the way I would describe his life is unhindered. He continued to allow the Word of God to be unhindered in his life and the purposes of God be unhindered in his life. And what I want to ask you this morning is, what is it that's hindering you? What are the hindrances that you're facing? Because we all have these different types of things that hinder. I mean, if I ask you this morning, um, just think about it. If, if, if I were to say, uh, if I just had blank, then I could really do something this year. Have you ever said that before? Have you ever looked at your wife and said, man, if we could just, you know, pay off the house, then we could really do something this year. We could really give towards the church and missions, and we could really do some things. Or, or if you just had, what, what is that blank? What is that thing that you have found yourself, even in 2016, even in your life, saying, if I just had this, then I'd be able to really do something? Maybe it's people. You know, a couple years ago, I was sharing with, with Pastor Jared, I was, I was in a round table with a group of pastors, and they asked us, what are the things that you feel like are hindering you? And it was a majority of the people at the table raised their hand and said, I just feel like it's people. And they were just being honest. And a couple of the guys, he said, well, I'll elaborate on that. And one of the pastors said, well, I just feel like I just, I just need more people. If we had more people in our church, because you look around this morning, you might see lots of, of, of empty chairs, and you'd say, man, if we just had all these chairs filled up this morning, our problem is we just need more people. Then we could really do something, Pastor Jared. And, and the other side of that is some of the pastors were just so disgruntled with the people they had. They said, I just need different people. All my people are broke, crazy people, and they get on my nerves. And can you just get those people out and God send some new people in? But listen, that was a group of, of, of spiritual leaders who were looking at their lives and saying, man, there's things that are hindering me, and, it, and it's people. Uh, this morning, you might say, yeah, that's, that's me. I, I, I can tell you, I, over the, my years of, of ministry, I've had people say that people are hindering them, and they'll say in their marriage. Like, I've had people come to me and say, I, I just, this, this thing is just flawed. This marriage is just broke. I just feel like I married the wrong person. And so I, I just need to move on to the, to the next thing. And, 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 and you know, I, was, I love the book, um, Marriage on the Rock. If you're ever looking for a good book to read on marriage, go read by Jimmy Evans, Marriage on the Rock. And in this book, Jimmy Evans, the author, tells a story about him and his wife went to the mall. 
And he says, while they were walking down the, the row of the mall, they see this lady, and they did a double take because they almost didn't recognize her. It was a friend that they had been acquaintance with for a long time. They just hadn't seen her in a while. And he said, is, is that Becky? And his wife was like, I, I think that is. So they walked around and they said, Becky, girl, we haven't seen you forever. What have you been doing? Like, I know it's been like, what, three, three years since we've seen each other? And, and, and uh, Becky says, well, I, I guess you know that me and Chuck got a divorce. And uh, they were like, no, I'm, I'm, we, just, we didn't hear that. I'm, I'm sorry. She said, well, it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. And, and, and he said, it looks like you've lost a ton of weight. Like, you, look, you just, you look really good. She said, listen, girl, I'm telling you right now, I knew as soon as I got rid of that man that I needed to get myself in order. I needed to work on myself. I went and got a makeover. I lost 50 pounds because I'm not going to catch another man if I don't be looking good. And he writes in the book, he says, it's sad to me, and I'll, I'll even read you the quote. Why is it that we'll work so hard to impress total strangers, but won't work at all to please the ones that we've vowed before God to love and to cherish for the rest of our lives? He said, I, the thought came to him, if she would have worked that hard to change herself for the man that she was married to, they probably would still be married. And, and I, I, you know, I ask that question, why don't we work that hard to be able to be with the ones that we've vowed that we'll love and to cherish? And, and the reason is, is because at some point in our minds, everybody pointing at your mind, at some point we get a mentality that a, a person, a people, is a hindrance. They're hindering me. That's the problem. If I just had another spouse, you know, you, you think, man, uh, <laughs> say your spouse is really getting on your nerves and you have some friends and you're just like, man, they're always so happy. If I just had a spouse like so-and-so, then I could really do some stuff in my life. We think like that. And it's not just us, it's youth. I remember when I was a youth pastor and kids, I'll tell you, I had my kids come up to me all the time in youth and they'd just say, I hate my mom. I hate my dad. And I'm like, what do you mean you hate your dad? Well, they're just so strict. I wish, and they would think of somebody that they viewed as a parent that wasn't as strict, and they'd just say, if I had a, a mom like Sally, then I could be really happy. And, and, and the thing is, is that everybody, at some point in your life, you start to vision in your mind that the people in your life are the things that are hindering you. But listen, this year, God's going to change our perspective, come on somebody, that we start to see that those people God has put in our lives on purpose, and they're there for a reason, and it's not for us to get them out of our lives, it's for us to be able to look at those not as hindrances, but as opportunities for God to do something great, and God to do something wonderful, amen? Maybe it's not people, maybe this morning you say, man, pastor, money is a hindrance in my life, or lack thereof. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, have you ever said, if I just had more money, I can't tell you, my, my, wife, my, my mom is one of the most religious people I've ever known in my life. She's come a long way out of that religion now, <laughs> so much that me and my wife said, my, Lisa looked at me and said, your mom just stripped a gear this year, because she has never, ever, in the last, until the last couple of years, she would never even go to a uh, gas station that sold beer and wine, because what people don't know, if you come out of that, that, that gas station and you bought yourself something and it's in a, in, a, in a bag, they don't know what's in there. So it could be perceived as you were drinking. And so, you know, God's people don't do stuff like that. So she was just always like that. My mom went out and she, we, for uh, Christmas Eve, we did a, a bingo night. 
And the gifts that she gave people that won bingo were lottery tickets. And I thought, Mom, I cannot believe you went. Because she thought that was the devil. We didn't play cards when I was growing up. I mean, everything was the devil. And we were sitting there. And I thought, my mom. And I thought, we were scratching that. And I just thought, babe, man, this, this lottery ticket can change our life right now. If we get the money on this lottery ticket right here. And we didn't win, you know. And I was like, man, give me the $10,000. We all want that $10,000. Because if we just had that $10,000, then everything would be, would be. And I'm telling you, it wouldn't. Because even with that $10,000, you're going to face some type of hindrance, some type of thing that you're going to go all of a sudden start to run from. And you won't live life unhindered until you start to learn to live life unhindered. You're always going to have hindrances. Maybe it's time. Time, time, time. Today, everybody's busy. We just say, man, I just need more time. If I just had more more time. If you see somebody that hadn't been to the exchange for a while and you walk up to them, you're like, oh, Jen, I ain't seen you for a while, man. We miss you at the exchange. Where you been? Nine times out of ten, that person is going to say, I've just been so busy. We are busy. We're really busy. We have lots of responsibilities. I do. I'm I'm married. I have four kids. I have a a full-time job. I'm a pastor here at this church. I coach my kids' basketball team. I mean, we're, we're constantly, every night we have something. But listen, listen, listen. Could it be that we're too busy? Listen, could it be that our busyness is oftentimes producing barren, barrenness and not fruitfulness? Could it be at the first of 2017 we need to sit down and start to look at our time and say, God, where do I need to put my time? Where do I need to invest and where do I need to pull back and the things that I'm doing? A a funny story that I I heard about a guy and and just talking about time. I have a pastor friend and and he had a a, a homeless man come to the church one day and and, and walked in and and said, I just need, I really need some money. I need money really, really bad. And he told my friend, he said, "Uh, I, I have like eight kids, man. And, and I, I lost my job several months ago. We don't have any money. And I don't have a, I don't, I mean, he had this sob story, man, just, I just, just down and out of my luck. And I just, I just need money. And the pastor said, man, you came to the right place. And so the guy thought he was about to write him a check. And he said, listen, you say that you need to feed your kids. And he said, yeah. He goes, listen, our church just got a brand new lawnmower. And he said, this lawnmower, we have, a, we have gas. And, and, and listen, I'm, I'm going to pay you to mow the church's lawn. And he goes, listen to this. I have done this before. I've mowed the church's lawn, the pastor said. And he goes, and it only takes an hour to do it. He goes, listen, if you'll mow the church's lawn, I'll pay you $100. Now, I don't know about you, but if I didn't have any way to feed my kids, and I was looking for a way to be able to do that, and the first person that I went up to offered me a job when I didn't have a job and offered me a job making $100 an hour, I would jump at the chance just to be able to make $100 an hour, amen? You know what he said? He goes, no, 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 I'm too busy for that. He said, you're too busy for that. I thought you needed to be, and, and listen, we laugh at that story. But how many times are we too busy to do the things that God's telling us to do to break through the hindrances of our lives? Sometimes we're just too busy. Maybe it's time that you have hindering you. Uh, Maybe it's government. Oh, man, we just had this election, and oh, our country was just in an uproar. 
Oh, we, some people wanted this person, and some people wanted that person. And, and I'm telling you, right now, if you're a Republican, you think it's the Democrats that are hindering you. And if you're a Democrat, you think it's the Republicans that are hindering you. If you're neither one, you think that both of them are hindering you right now. Man, we don't know what's going to happen in America. we got a new president, and some people think it's great, and some people think it's the worst thing to ever happen. And we think right now we are being hindered by government. But can I tell you today that there's nothing that can hinder the people of God, not even the government. I get a newsletter every month from a publication called The Voice of the Martyrs. And what it does is it goes and it follows the underground church. It follows the persecuted church um, that's not in America, that's in different places. And you go and you read this and um, you'll, you'll read stories about, I read them all the time, about uh, people in India getting arrested just for having baptism services. For uh, Christians in Pakistan, they, they're having their churches burnt to the ground. And, and this, is, this is with armies coming in with kerosene and just burning it down. They, they, these churches that are persecuted, and, and here's the thing that you read in every one of these articles, is although they're persecuted, they're seeing miracles happen every day. They're seeing breakthroughs happen. They're seeing people come into the kingdom of God. One guy I read about in Africa, he just got a call on, on his life to be able to share what God had done in him. And he says, I want to evangelize. And, and where he's at in Africa, it's a place where the government is completely against Christianity. And so he puts his life on the line every day to go from village to village. He has this little motorcycle, and he gets on this motorcycle, and where he can find people, he tells them about Jesus. And every day, people are getting healed. Every day, people are coming to Jesus Christ. And in and, and the, the story that, that was written about this guy, he, he ran out of gas on his motorcycle. And he prayed. He said, God, I don't have any money, and I need to be able to get to the next place to show, share with people about what you're doing and, and, and get more people saved. And a guy walks up to him and says, I just had a vision, and I was supposed to find you. I saw you in my vision, and I was supposed to come and find you because God told me to fill up this bucket with water and pray over and put it into your gas tank. Now, I don't know if everybody's a mechanic here. I'm not. But one thing I know that you're not supposed to do, don't put diesel in your gas tank if it's gasoline. And especially don't put water in your gas tank because that would completely ruin your engine. Well, the guy said, well, I prayed, and you said God gave you a vision. Listen, we're living on faith. They prayed over that. They poured the water. And listen, listen to this. He drove that motorcycle for six months on that gas tank full of water that they had prayed for. And we're like, wow, God, we need that in America. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I would love to be able to just get my Ozark water bottle and go out there every day and just pray over it and put it in the, God, I just thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing in my life right now. And here I go, driving around Houston on this water, right? But in the very next town that he went to, he was arrested by the police and he was beaten for what he was doing. Two more times, two more villages down the road, in this six months period, he was arrested and, and he was put in a prison. Now, we're all about the water, but we don't want to be put in prison. Yet, although he was beaten, although he didn't have no money to pay for gas, although he's being put in prison, the Word of God moves forward there. You know, we sit right here and we think, man, 
it's getting really bad. I don't feel that way at all. I feel like the kingdom of God only knows increase. That's what the Bible tells me. And so we're only going to see the kingdom of God increase. I think it's the best time to ever have children. I think it's the best time to ever live. Amen? But some people don't think that. Some people are very pessimistic about right now. Can I tell you, at the time that this is being written about Paul, how the government was with him, you know, it says that he's being put in chains. And he was, who was in power at the time was the wicked Emperor Nero. And he was a very complicated person. He was a very devious person. And what he would do, he thought a lot of himself, and he would have these banquets. And he would call delegates to his home. He would always do this at nighttime when the sun was down. Because he wanted to make a statement. There would be a pathway to the banquet table. And the pathway that all the delegates would walk down was lit by a very peculiar illumination. That pathway was lit. And also, when they sat at the table to eat, he made sure that the table was lit in a very unique way. And what it was, was Christians like you and me, like Brother Paul, who were killed put on a stake, and burnt on a stake. And so people would walk down the, the aisle to be able to get to the banquet table, and they would see people burning, Christians, just for being Christians. Now, I don't know about you, but it's not like that here in America right now, right? And that is the type of government that Paul is facing and he's not writing letters <laughs> to people going, oh, it's so bad. We're never going to be able to make it. All these hindrances. I hope God comes back soon. Oh, this is horrible. Why did Jesus leave us here? Oh, my gosh. It's all going to hell in a handbasket. Is that the letters that we see Paul writing? No. We see another author looking at Paul's life and going, wow. I look at Paul's life, and he lives unhindered. In the face of hindrances, listen, the message, the banner, the word that God has for us as the exchange. And if you're here today, you need to say, I am the exchange. I am a part of this group of believers, and God has a plan for my life. And the banner that God is speaking over you today is unhindered. You're going to live life in the face of all these hindrances this year, but people are going to look at your life and say, even though they have hindrances, they live akalutos. Everybody say unhindered. They live unhindered. I don't care what it is, guys. These hindrances that we have, they're still going to be there, yet we're going to continue to live hindered. Now, to be able to do this, we have to get an unhindered mentality, and this is the secret. If you would, go ahead and put 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 up on the Sky Bible for everybody. If you're taking notes, just write that down. And I'm going to share with you how Paul was able to do this. Now, you see, we are in a warfare. We are in a battle every day. But this scripture right here in uh, 2 Corinthians says that the war that we're in, we have weapons for it in this warfare, but they're not carnal. So it, it's, not, it's not to be able to go and, and fight an enemy that you can see that's physical, like you're coming against me and God's given me a, 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 a war, warfare material to be able to come against you. But everybody say war. There is a war. And I'm going to tell you where it's at. He says that it's, we have weapons for this war, and they're mighty in God. And it says, though, for pulling down strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. 
Okay, then he says, these weapons that we have that are mighty, they're also for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So that's the second thing. There are things that are going on right now in your life, and especially in 2016, last year, when you faced a hindrance, all of a sudden, a thought came to your mind and says, this woman is crazy, I needed to get a divorce, I need to find somebody else. And we always think that the grass is greener on the other side, we just don't understand that the only reason the grass is greener is just because there's a septic tank over there. It's a bunch of poo, right? You just need to deal with your own poo, right? I'm telling you right now, I'm going to skip ahead, the battle's right here. And so he says this, all these things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, and it says bringing every thought, so there it is, say thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so what this is, is it's, it's backwards. We're going to start. He, he, he says that we have uh, these strongholds, okay? And strongholds, I want everybody to close your eyes for just a second. And I want you to envision a stronghold, but let me describe it for you. Another translation would say that this was like a fortress or a castle. So think back in, in times that they would have castles, and, and these are like built with big bricks, but, but literally it's translated as a prison. So I want you to think of an old prison that's just built up with these rocks and these bricks, brick by brick, and it's just horrible. It's this horrible place that nobody wants to be. Okay, open your eyes. Then the next thing that he says is these arguments. Everybody say arguments. And what this is, is it's reasonings that bring a false verdict. So if I came up to you and I was like, hey man, two plus two is five, and I'm convinced of it. You'd be like, Somebody taught you wrong. Well, I don't care what you believe, but it's truth to me. That's what I believe with all my heart. And you can't get me to think. You're like, somewhere something happened that somebody told him something that he believes. And although it's wrong, it's truth to him. And this is what happens. Something in the middle of that relationship that you have with your spouse comes in. You get in a spat. You get in a fight. And that fight leads to another fight, which leads to another fight. And what's going on the whole time is there are these reasonings that start to come into your mind and it brings a verdict that's completely opposite from what the Word of God says. And you listen to that other than what the Word of God says. And so what happens is there. the next thing, it says high things. High things are barriers. Everybody say, say barriers. So you finally come to verse 5 where it says thoughts. So the backward progression is this. These little thoughts come in and all they, they seem little, they're bricks. And one little brick doesn't seem that bad, but if you don't take care of that one brick, another brick becomes on top of another brick. And those are thoughts. And these thoughts all of a sudden start to build up brick by brick by brick until the only thing that you're focusing on is the very thing that's in front of you that's starting to become a wall. It's starting to become a barrier. And the more that you look at that barrier, let me tell you, this is all going on in your mind. Like, I can't see this happening for you, but you can see it. You have these thoughts that are coming and they start to build up brick by brick by brick. It becomes a barrier and then it becomes a high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But you won't listen to anybody else. You won't listen to the word of God because what you see is, is real to you. You can feel it. 
You're like, man, this is exactly what's going on. I need to leave this church because somebody made me mad. I need to get another kid. I need to take this kid to the orphanage and get another one because they're just crazy. I need to get a new husband or a new wife because there's just something. And all of a sudden, you just stare and stare. And if you don't take care of all these bricks, these walls that start to build up, they build up around you until you're put into a prison in your mind. Because what you believe drives your behavior, and now you start to act funny. Now you start to do things. And if we don't take rogue thoughts captive, this year in 2017, they'll take us hostage. And we'll just be in prison. And I believe that today that God is destroying some prisons in our minds. I believe that every person here is in 2017 going to have some mentalities broken off. Come on, somebody. Some barriers taken down. I'm talking about people getting out of some prisons to the fact where they can live in the midst of hindrances but still live life unhindered. Do you believe it? I believe it. Paul lived with an unhindered mentality. He never knew. He always knew that whatever he faced... He could still live unhindered. But to do, find out how he did that, we need to go to the answer in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse number 22 says this. It says, now I go. Everybody say, now I go. Bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying... That chains and tribulations await me. Hallelujah. I don't know where I'm going. And I don't know what happens when I get there. All I know is that when I get there, chains and tribulations await me. But, mm, everything always has a but, right? I love that word because when you read that word, it means forget what I just said and listen to what I'm about to say. Right? Everybody's got a but. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So listen, I'm going to give you a couple things, a few things real quickly uh, from Paul's life that will help us to live a life unhindered because that's the ultimate goal for all of us, right? We want to be unhindered. Verse number 22, we see it first of all. Number one, he kept on going. Verse 22 says, now I go. Look at your neighbor, say, now I go. Now I go, okay? Now when we think about that word, now I go, immediately we, we tend to think about missions and evangelism, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father. But, and, and that's true, and we're supposed to go with that mindset of teaching the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ, but what, what I'm wanting you to get right here is when he says, now I go, the point that he's trying to make is that I am going, Okay? He's moving. He's taking one foot and putting it in front of the other. Now I go. In other words, there's nothing that's hindering him and holding him back. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man, they're ordered of God. <laughs> the problem is a lot of us are just afraid to take any steps. Amen? He says, now I go. And he's talk I'm talking about putting one foot in front of the other and not quitting. Don't quit. 
Don't quit. Never underestimate the power of showing up. Amen? That's a good one for church people on Sunday morning. Never underestimate the power of showing up. Because if you'll just keep moving, God can do something. He's not going to work on, uh, on somebody who's not going to move. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. I shall, I shall, I shall not be moved. And I know it's talking about a tree planted by the water. But I'm talking about God is looking for people that are going to continue to progressively move in the kingdom of God. That are going to progressively move in his presence. Are you getting that? David Livingston, a Scottish preacher and a pioneer in a medical mission field. He says this. I don't care where we go as long as we go forward. Okay? I don't care where we go as long as we go forward. I'm telling you. That even when it looks like the whole world is caving in on you and everything is crashing in. Have you ever felt that way where the walls are just getting smaller and, and, and everything's going wrong? Okay. I, I'm not saying everything's gone wrong in my life. But the last couple months, uh, we've been fighting in our daycare uh, with, with expanding our daycare into a new center. And it has been Harris County. After Harris County and permit after permit after permit. And it has cost us bukus of money. So much money that we've said, why did we even do this? Why did we expand? Why did we try this? And then our payroll hits on the same day as, as our new rent. And we're now paying new rent for a facility we're not even in. Uh, and and it, it feels like everything just gets tighter and tighter and tighter and everything wants to go in. But the mission for today is to understand that no matter what the perception is, that we don't quit. Okay? That we keep going. I gave you something physical, but I'm talking about in spiritual terms. In spiritual terms, we start to get down on ourselves. We look at other people and we think how successful they are and how happy they are. We look at everybody else. We walk into this place and we look at sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so. They're holding hands. And then we look at our spouse. We're like, Pfft. And we think everybody else has got it together. Everybody else has a perfect marriage. Everybody else is rich and got paid off cars and no car bills and their swimming pool pumps work. And we think that it's our life that's just falling apart. And I'm telling you, if you'll just get that mentality in your head that I'm not going to quit, I'm going to keep going. Success, Winston Churchill said this, success is not final and failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Okay? Success is not final. I'm convinced that for some people, success hinders them more than failure. Right? Failure is not an option in America. Failure is not an option in Houston. I've learned uh, when I moved to Houston, I, I got to know some Houston sports fans. Failure is not an option. Okay, when you screw up and you mess up, they'll boot, they'll burn your house down in Houston. Okay, you cannot fail here. I tell my staff all the time. Don't I say this, Cody? You're free to fail. Try it. If it don't work, it don't work. We'll try something else. I don't want us to feel that that failure is is final. That it's done. That when we screw up, we're out. We're out. Uh, I know a pastor, and this is a true story. And I'm not going to say his name. Uh, he's not in Texas. But he would joke and walk around. And we'd say, what are you doing? He'd say, I'm just looking for somebody to fire. Yeah, that was him. He, 
I have a really good friend of mine that worked for him for a long time. And this pastor's awesome. He's a great guy. I would never work for him, but he's a great guy. I love to hear him preach, but I'd never work for him ever. But this, this friend of mine, his name is Jay. Not this Jay, another Jay. And he said that at, at 9 o'clock when staff meeting started, he shut the door and locked it. And if you came and the door was locked, you went home without pay. You weren't allowed to stay in the building. <laughs> That's for real. Oh, man. I, if I did that, none of my guys would come because they don't get paid anyway. So they're like, I'll just stay home anyway. So, But listen, failure, uh, success is, is not final. Failure is not final. Okay? So Isaiah 43, 16, he says this about himself uh, and reminds them of what he's done for them. This is God. He's talking. And he says, remember... I am the one who made a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and power. They shall lie down together and they shall not rise. They are extinguished and they are quenched like a wick. Remember that, right? This is God. He's talking about himself and he says, remember, I did that. And the very next verse, he goes on, he says, now don't remember the former things, okay? Remember, I did that, but don't remember that. He says, remember, don't remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. He's saying, don't forget what I did, but forget how I did it. Okay, because I'm going to do something brand new. I'm still going to bring about success, but don't look for it the same way your daddy looked for it. Don't look for it the way you grew up in church. And, and this is the way I'm so tired. And I don't have that in this church. Nobody's ever said it to me in this church. But I have always been so tired of people saying, well, in the old days, we used to do it this way. And it worked. Right? I remember at my dad's church, there would be times when the Holy Spirit would come down and, and sister so-and-so, she'd be on the second row and she'd, woo! And she hit that pew and they would domino. And then you got the drunk in the back row who just wandered in and he gets pinned in the back row and he's sitting there like this. And he just starts crying. <laughs> Several years later, I remember being in a board meeting in a, in a, I was a little kid, but I remember them saying, well, remember in the old days when sister so-and-so used to domino those pews? That's what we need again. I was like, yeah, heck yeah, we do. I thought it was awesome. I was like nine years old. See all those pews topple over? I was like, yeah, that'd be so cool. Make sure my friends are here before you do it. And we're going to sit in the back row. And we're going to get pinned. We're going to pretend it's a game. But he's saying, he's saying, remember the things I did. Now, now forget it because I'm not going to do them the same way. I'm doing a new thing. The second part of that quote, he says, failure is not fatal. Amen. Failure is not fatal. It doesn't matter how much you fail or, or you, how much failure you've experienced. You don't have to let failure define you. Amen? The second thing that we can learn from Paul's life to live a life unhindered is that he was bound to purpose, not circumstance. Okay? He says in verse number 22, I go bound to the, in the spirit to Jerusalem. First of all, we have to find ourselves bound to purpose. 
bound to purpose. I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains, tribulations, they await me. Problems await me. Now, here's what I want you, I want to get a picture. Now, you can't probably see this. Hey, turn on the, the, these lights, the fluorescent lights. Let's see if we can see that banner a little bit for a second. But I want you to get a picture of this banner in your mind, this unhindered banner. It's got, you'll have to turn on, there you go, the middle. That didn't really help, did it? Uh, you're just going to have to, after church, come up here by the altar area, bring your tithe and offering, look at the banner. Uh, so there's a locomotive, a train, okay? Paul's saying, I go, now I go, bound to the, bound in the spirit. He says, I don't know what lies in front of me. It's going to be uh, cats and dogs and chains and all kinds of stuff. But whatever it is, it's not going to hinder me. Amen. When, when I go to Shelly's parents' house, I go down uh, 1960 to 2100 across the lake. And then I turn right on 2100. But when you get on... When you turn on 2100, right there is a, a train track, okay? One day, I'm cruising across the lake, and all of a sudden, I see lights in my rearview mirror. That always freaks me out, because I get stopped a lot. I used to. And uh, so I'm getting ready to pull over, and I realize it's an ambulance coming up. He flies past me. Whoo! So I speed up just a little bit to take advantage of the the parting, you know, like slide in there a little. I didn't get right behind you. Chill out. Some of y'all are like, you're so rude. I was, and praying, I was praying for the people too. But uh, he, he, he flies past me and, and I'm not too close to him, but he turns on 2100 and there's a train. And you know what? The train didn't stop. The train put down the bars and it was trucking. I mean, it's like 50 miles an hour. That train was cruising. And it didn't matter if there was an emergency or not. That train was moving. This is what Paul's talking about. And this is what I want to get in your mind, this picture in your mind, is he bound himself to something that was unbound. Okay? He was chained up. He was stuck in his own house. He was all messed up, but he bound himself to purpose. And the purpose was welcoming in people, preaching the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. And he bound himself to something that was unbound. And because it was unbound, he was unhindered. And it didn't matter if he had bills. And, and it didn't matter if, if him and his wife were not talking to each other. It didn't matter because he bound himself to a purpose that was bigger than him. We have it backwards sometimes. We bind ourselves to our circumstances. We bind ourselves to everything that hinders us. We go, well, I would have been at church today, Pastor, but man, I got this and I got that. And we, we all of a sudden are now bound to our circumstances. Oh, but you make it to work, right? You got work tomorrow, right? Uh, I'm sorry. Some of you just got real mad at me. You shouldn't because you're here. It should be the ones listening to the podcast that are now getting frustrated. But I'm telling you, we, we do that, right? We make excuses for everything. And, and whatever the problem of the week is, the flavor of the week is in our life, we latch on to that sometimes. And we bind ourselves to issues and situations. And we let those define us. And they, they, they begin to poison our relationship with our spouse. They begin to poison our relationship with our family. They begin to poison everything around us because we're not binding ourselves to right thing. And Paul says, I'm bound in the spirit to something that is unstoppable. 
Amen? He was bound to his purpose. And so I want you to get that in your mind today. That, that Paul's saying, now I go, and I'm going for it. Chains don't bother me. Tribulations can't hinder me because I go bound in the Spirit. Paul has, has had to have a mentality change. The Greek word right there for bound means to be chained to something. Paul was saying, nothing can stop me because I am chained to my destiny. He's saying, Paul's chained to his destiny and to, not to his circumstances. He's not chained to his issues and he's not chained to reality. Okay? What he sees in the flesh is chains. He sees imprisonment. He sees a future uh, beheading that take his life. But he bound, binds himself to purpose. He binds himself to purpose. Paul was chained to something that was unchained. He didn't say that he, he wasn't bound. He said, I'm bound to something that is not bound. In other words, Paul hitched his wagon to a moving horse. That's a good place to hitch. Amen? Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I love this passage of Scripture. He writes a letter to his spiritual son. And he sends this, this letter. And, and when Timothy gets it this is in verse 2 chapter chapter 2 verse 8 it says this he says remember that Jesus Christ the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel and and and, and so he says there's this gospel that that he preaches and it's about Jesus Christ but look in verse 9 he says for that what i just said he says i suffered trouble as an evil doer even to the point of chains but listen to what he says right here but the word of god is not chained I'm going to read that again. I'm going to get some more amens. He says, but the word of God is unchained. Come on. I'm going to say it one more time. We're going to get a little bit louder. But the word of God is unchained. And what I want you to be able to see, church, this year is for us to be able to live life unhindered. The battle that we're going to have to go through is in our minds. And we're going to have to stop chaining ourselves, like Pastor said, to our situations and our circumstances. But we're going to chain ourselves to the destiny of God, which is unstoppable. Come on, somebody. Which is always going to be moving forward. Come on, somebody. And also, I want you to, when you think about you see that train, you see that locomotive, you see yourself chaining itself, yourself to it. I don't want you to just think of destiny, but I also want you to think of the Word of God. The Word of God. Because there's going to be things this year that are going to come up, and they are going to be contrary to what the Word of God says. And guys, it's going to be so real. It's going to be physical. It's going to be really happen. And it's going to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And everything inside of you, in your flesh, is going to say, I can't move any forward, any further forward. I need to quit. But what pastor's saying is don't chain yourself to that feeling. Don't chain yourself to that emotion. Don't chain yourself to that situation, that circumstance. Find a way at that moment, somehow, some way to renew your mind, to chain yourself to that locomotive that is unchained. I'll read it again. He says, I was put into chains for sharing the word of God, but he says, but the word of God is unchained. How many know the kingdom of God keeps moving forward? How many know the kingdom of God knows no limits? How many know the kingdom of God keeps going and going? How many know God's purpose? on this earth is unstoppable. 
So let's just tie ourselves to it. Let's together chain ourselves to this and keep moving forward in 2017. And the last point, Paul, if you're taking notes, write this down. Paul chose what moved him. That's what we got to do in 2017, guys. I'm telling you, things aren't going to change unless you change. The situations, the circumstances, they're going to keep coming. The hindrances, they're always going to be there, right? You remember that song? He never promised that the cross would not be heavy, that the hill would not be hard to climb. You ever heard that song before? He, said, he never promised it wasn't going to be hard. There weren't going to be situations and circumstances. But listen, he, he always is going to be there with us to keep us moving forward. Paul chose what moved him. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul says, but none of these things. Everybody say these things. Come on, say these things. None of these things move me. He didn't say nothing moves me. He said none of these things. Something moved him. And that is the word of God. I love what he says, and I love the mentality that he has. And, and many times we look at our circumstances and our situations, and we chain ourselves to it. But listen, I want to tell you, with the word of God, there's two things that you need to do, two things that need to be always be increasing in 2017. The word about the Lord. We need to talk about God more. We need to talk about what God's going to do more. We need to tell our children about God more. We need to just talk about God more. How, many, how much time do you spend talking about God, the word about the Lord? That needs to be increasing in your life. You go and read, and we could go through a whole other sermon about this, but the Bible, every time you read that the word of God increased, God's kingdom increased. And I'm telling you, as the word of God increases in your life, this is how you are going to be chaining yourself to that, that locomotive that is the word of God, that is, that is unstoppable. And also, just not just the word about God, but the word of the Lord needs to be increased in our life. Scripture should be ever increasing. And l- let me just ask you this. I'm not, I'm not getting religious and I'm not getting uh, legalist right now. I'm telling you that once I found grace in the finished work of God, that's when I've never had more works in my life until that happened. See, the works that I had before grace, they almost burnt me out. But once I found the finished work of Jesus Christ, now it's my heart to do those things. I used to do those because I think it would make God happy. Now I know that he loves me no matter what. And because he loves me, the love flows out of me and there's more works than I've ever had. Does everybody understand that? So listen, because he loves me and because I'm in this passionate relationship with Jesus Christ, it should be in my heart to be able to now go and read the word of God and commit it to memory. It's not just going to happen. I I wish it did. I wish that all of a sudden you woke up in the morning and I had my magic napkin again. I could just put some boogers on you again and you just would be able just to know the word of God. I didn't have to tell it to you. I just did this. Clink, clink. You got it. That's not how it works. Guys, in 2017, what's going to be very vital is that we commit ourselves to Scripture memory. My wife's a teacher, and we have four kids, and my kids, they come home from school. And they're like, oh, i got to take this test, and i got to do these things, and I don't know how I'm going to be able to memorize this. And Lisa tells them, I want you to go, and I want you to write it down on a piece of paper, Write it over and over and over, over and over and over, over and over and over. Write it 10 times, and you'll be able to memorize it. 
like, that's right. I need to do that with my kids. We need to do that ourselves. If we really believe this, right? If we really, I'm telling you, I, on, we had our, our New Year's Eve uh, service here. And, and God spoke to me specifically from, from my life. I'm going to make 2017 the greatest year of my life. And it's going to be the greatest year of my life because I'm going to make it that way. I'm going to work at it. It's, this is going to be the most work you've ever done in 2017. It's going to be hard. To live life unhindered, it doesn't just happen. It's going to take hard work. And so that means you're going to have to step up in a new way and a new day, and you're going to do something that you haven't done before, and maybe just take some time every day just for 15 minutes and go and take a scripture and just write it down. And I think this year we should start out with Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Can we put Romans chapter 12, verse 2 up on the Sky Bible for everybody? I'm going to challenge you. This month, this is going to be the scripture for us, the exchange, this month. And I'm going to challenge you to memorize this scripture. One in a month. I'm not saying every week. I'm just saying together. I'm going to ask you to stand your feet right now. This is how we are chained. We chain ourselves to something. We hitch our wagon to a moving horse. This is how we chain our, change our situation. So let's read it together. One, two, three. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's do it one more time. One, two, three. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's just do it one more time. Come on. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's going to happen is this. You're going to be going this week, and you are going to all of a sudden come face to face with a hindrance. It's going to be money. It's going to be time. It's going to be people. It's going to be geography. Oh, man, I tell you, I've I, I lived my whole life in a small town, and people in the small town say, man, if we could just get to the city, we could get a job, and we could make some money. And now I live in the city, and I hear everybody in the city saying, if we could just get to a small town and get those small town's values, then our kids would stop acting crazy, and we could just really do something. Guys, I'm telling you, God has brought you to Houston for such a time as this, and you're going to look at your geography, and you're not going to run from it, because I'm going to tell you right now, you don't go and make a decision based upon you facing something that's difficult. The only time you make a change is following the obedience and the leading of the Holy spirit in your life saying this is my plan for you don't leave because it gets hard pastor jared said when it gets hard that's when you keep going that's when you keep putting one foot in front of the other so what's going to happen is you're going to see that it's going to be people it's going to be money it's going to be geography and all of a sudden you're going to want to quit but in the out of somewhere it's going to say you know 
what though? I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind right now because I know that's what I'm feeling and I know that's what I'm going through and I know this is trying to exalt itself up against the knowledge of God but right now I'm taking rogue thoughts captive. I will not be held hostage anymore. Come on somebody get stirred up with me this morning and I am going to save my marriage. I'm going to be a good father to my kids. I'm going to be a good mother to my children. I am going to this is going to be the greatest year 2017 and I know it doesn't feel like it and I know everything is telling you that it wasn't going to be like that but today is the day you draw the line in the sand and you say you know what I'm going to be transformed this morning by the renewing of my mind and I am in doing that going to go now and I'm going to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God and when people look at my life they see the hindrances but they see in my life they describe it as unhindered come on come on everybody say unhindered Unhindered. come on everybody say unhindered Unhindered. say it one more time unhindered Unhindered. the word of God remains come on the word of God remains the kingdom of God remains our families will remain come on our relationships are our finances are we are unhindered come on the word of God is unhindered and this morning I'm telling you I want everybody to get out of your seat and I want you to come up to the front. Now, I'm not going to make you kiss any rattlesnakes. We're not going to do anything crazy this morning. You can, yeah, you can take that. The only reason I'm asking you to get out of your seat because I want you to get out of your comfort zone. Because where you sit in the church, you always sit there. Right? When you come to, free, uh, to the exchange, you always sit in that spot. And that's where you're comfortable. So I want you to get out of your comfort zones this morning. I want you to come to the front. And what I want you to do is right now, just close your eyes. And I want I want to ask the Holy Spirit just to, to speak to your heart. And, and I want you to just think, what are the things that hindered me in 2016? What are the things that hindered you? Where are the places that you were attacked the hardest? Just right now, just... I want you to think about those things. Was it time? Was it finances? I mean, was it a tough year for your marriage? Was it a tough year relationally at work? Was it just, man, you're just like, man, I faced so many hindrances. Okay, now I want you to open your eyes and look at me. I declare to each and every one of you this year, you're going to live unhindered in those, in the face of those hindrances. Now listen. I'm not saying when you leave this place, you're not going to have those hindrances. Everybody understands that. This year is going to be a year of growth and maturity. We're going to grow up. Come on. We're going to mature. And I'm telling you, you're going to face those things. And and, and what's going to happen? Because every day you're going to chain yourself to the destiny of God. You're going to chain yourself to the Word of God. And what's going to start to happen is the real you is going to come out. I'm not saying you're not going to make any mistakes, because when we do, don't underestimate the power of just showing up, right? Oh, man, I messed up. Well, what did pastor say? I I just need to get up and go. Now I go, bound in the Spirit. Now I know every one of you would like a prophetic word this morning that I said, you know what, man, everything's going to be going good. No, no, no. That's not the prophetic word that Paul got. The prophetic word that Paul got was, if you go to Jerusalem, chains and tribulations await you there. And you know what he said? Now I go. 
because none of these things move me. And that's you. 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 So, Lord, let's pray right now. I just want you to bow bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, this is what we declare. We declare that we're going to go. We declare that we're going to put one foot in front of the other each and every day. And we're going to make an effort to live life unhindered, chained to your word, chained to the destiny that you have for our lives. Father, I declare that we are going to see relationships grow. We're going to see parents flourish. We are going to see relationships thrive. We're going to see finances thrive in 2017. We're going to see our relationships and our jobs, the positions that we have in our jobs. We're going to see those things they're going to be a solid, a firm foundation, and we're going to see those thrives. And Lord, we understand that it's going to take work, but we're ready for that work. Father, we came up here this morning getting out of our comfort zones, and we say we know that's what it's going to take this year. In 2017, we get out of our comfort zones. And Father, we're going to face those hindrances head on. We're going to face each and every one of those. And I declare over this church, Akalutos, unhindered, unhindered the exchange. Uh, You are unhindered. You are unhindered. You're going to live life unhindered. Take rogue thoughts captive this year in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you guys, if you would, just go ahead and shake somebody's hand right here at the altar. Tell them that you're glad they're here today. And if you would, find your way back to your to your seat. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.